Hey everybody, uh, this is Tyler, just letting everybody know that uh, this episode, right around the 55 minute mark, 54 minute mark, um, uh, contains a, a very big spoiler for the film Inglorious Bastards, and yes, it was me that did it, uh, I did it without thinking, I'm sorry, so... Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? I'm alright. Uh, I was I was sick. I got sick from all the traveling. Yeah. Traveled to St. Louis and back. Yeah. You know. It was, it was a whirlwind tour of St. Louis. We were there yeah, like three days totally. Yeah. You know. Uh, a little more. But yeah. a lot of that was spent sleeping. Not enough. That's why I got sick. Indeed. But uh, I'm not really sick anymore, but I still have the, the, this cough that's sort of hanging on a yeah, little bit. Yeah. You know? So if you hear me cough, I'm sorry, listeners. Or if I get short of breath, uh, as I'm doing right now. Okay. So that's how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? I am also sick. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting over it, yeah, for the last uh, week and a half. Uh, both Jen and I have been uh, have been ill, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. But as you mentioned, yes, I still have a bit of a cough hanging on. So sorry, everybody. It's just going to be coughing. Yeah. It's going to sound terrible. Thankfully... Yeah. We have a guest to pick up the slack. Yeah, you know him, you love him. He's a friend of the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, we know him, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he's back again. He was on episode uh, seventy-one, I believe. Right. That's right. So, and Jeez now uh, seventy. How do you know that stuff? Ah, it's my job to know it. One could make the argument; it's your job to know it as well. But that's all right. So, almost <clears throat> as many episodes later. Yeah. A little, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should have had you on every 71 episodes. <laughs> that, that would have been uh, a fun tradition. That's to, the thing. Yeah. We dropped the ball on that. Yeah. Uh, Jason Eakin is here. Hello. I am also sick. Oh, all right. Yeah. Everybody's so sick. It's going around. It is. The, the room, it appears. Yeah. Indeed. Is it a good idea for three sick guys to be sitting next to each other doing a podcast? And we're all sort of like facing inward. Like we're all <laughs> we're spewing gonna, our sickness right It's going to create a perfect storm of illness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, if, and if anybody if actually stepped into this area, they would drop dead immediately. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it'll be fine because uh, Jen is also sick. So nobody, nobody here now is going to get more sick. Maybe sick again. Mm. All right. Let's stop this. Okay. All right. Well, you know um, what I did yesterday? What did you do yesterday? Great cure for sickness, roller coasters. <laughs> I spent all day yesterday at Magic Mountain. <laughs> all right. And it was great. To and those I, who don't live in California, Magic Mountain is, of course, it's, Six it's, Flags. It's, six, it's, our, it's our Six Flags. Right. Our, our local Six Flags affiliate. What's and, your favorite uh, ride at the, uh, the Magic Mountain? Tatsu. Which one is that? Is That's, that new? How new uh, is it's, that? It's, it's fairly new, yeah. It's oh. the one. All right. You get in it. When you get in it. It's like your normal sort of dangling roller coaster, you know, with your feet dangling type yeah. of thing. But then hydraulics kick in, it tips forward. Oh. The seats tip forward. So you're you're like Superman there. <laughs> you're flying through the air <laughs> like Superman. And uh and it's amazing. It's really fast and really high. It's I could I'm enjoying roller coasters now more now than I did when I was young, and I think because I'm more aware of my own mortality now, uh-huh. and so I'm more, in a way, more scared of them, and that makes them more fun. Huh. I did not like roller coasters at all when I was a kid, and then I went uh, 
to Disney's California Adventure, where they have a really good roller coaster called California Screamin', mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and I think the reason I enjoyed it was because I had an appreciation for its engineering, like uh, <laughs> the way that it was di- the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, and it was, and it was, it went really fast, and it was a lot of fun. But like, it just—it's one of those that sh- it. It doesn't wait for you to like go up really high. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it just shoots you out right away. Yeah. And uh, and so like you get not a moment to you don't get a moment to breathe. You don't get any anticipation. Yeah. The anticipation is all in the forty five minute line you just stood in. <laughs> um, and uh, and I remember like when that happened, even on the ride, I was just like, that's really creative. Like that, good for them. That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm sure it's been done before, but this is the yeah. first I've experienced the, um, it. The Hulk roller coaster at Universal Orlando <laughs> is like that. Okay, but it it, it doesn't live up to that initial uh, thrust. You know, it's, yeah. The Hulk ah. roller coaster is really fun at first, and then it just kind of peters out. Oh yeah, you know. You know? California Screaming's a, a great roller coaster. Okay. Did you ever go on? Well, it? I told you. I remember. As long as I've known you, mm-hmm. you've known what my dream job is. Roller coaster tester. Roller coaster critic. Roller. That's I wanna, right. Yeah. I want to work for a publication. <laughs> yeah. And I want to be paid to go around the world. And ride new roller coasters and write reviews of them. That's right, because roller coaster tester, you could die. Right, no, I don't want to do that. A critic, it's already it's already been tested. Yeah, and now it's time for you to lay down the to law. weigh in. That's right. <laughs> How many times do you think you would have to ride the roller coaster in order to accurately critique it? Ah, uh, three or four. Just that's it. Well, roller coasters aren't that long. Would you do that like all in one day, or would you like ride it twice? Go get some popcorn, some nachos. I do it all in one back. day, but yeah, I would, I, w- I would spread it out. To give, I would give some time for the ride to, to sink in, sure. to think about it, right. you know, to think about what it means, the arc of the ride, <laughs> you know, both literal and figurative. Sounds like you're overanalyzing this. I wish, I wish we were going to go right in the topic, but uh, but we're not, unfortunately. Yeah. So. You know, because you've got a bone to pick. Oh, sorry. Well, we first, on, more on roller coaster talk. Yeah, of okay. course. Because why not? I thought that is that not the topic? I've got eight pages of notes on roller coasters across the movies age. about roller coasters. That's Fear roller coasters about movies. Final Destination three. Yeah. Hmm. Zombieland. Zombieland. It's not about it, but. It, you know, Three yeah. ninjas knuckle up. Sure. Which, There's that uh, part in True Romance. But still, fear, I think, is the sort of oh, yeah. pinnacle of roller coaster movie scenes. Yeah. I didn't see it. Okay. Well, um, I'm trying to think what's the song that's playing. I think it's uh, Wild Horses, the Stone song, but the cover by the Sundays. Hmm. While Mark Wahlberg. While, while Corbin and Reese Witherspoon, right? Yeah. Are on a roller coaster. Uh, and while they're on the roller coaster, he is. Uh, digitally pleasuring her. <laughs> <laughs> to Wild Horse... Well, what, Every Child's Dream. How is that song... Like, Do they make it faster? Is that I think it's slower. <laughs> I think the Sunday's <laughs> really? version yeah, is even slower. slower it's than a the- slow roller coaster scene. <laughs> oh, man. It's very intimate. It's like the Tunnel of Love, sort of. Um, By the way, that the Sunday's cover of Wild Horses is really great. It was also in an episode of Buffy. Oh, all right. In the... Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but at the end of season three, there was talk the of. Uh, I'm a big fan of that song in general. There was talk of that being uh, uh, the the song to which uh, Jen and I would be dancing first uh, at our wedding. That's a good but song. That song is like six and a half minutes long, <laughs> and Ooh. it's like, oh, that's out. Yeah. So, but uh, now here's the thing. Uh-huh. I was reading Entertainment Week. Right. Okay. Once again, you've got a bone to pick. Absolutely. I do. Okay. Um. Now, David, as you and I have discussed on the show previously, we're not big fans of Stephen King as a columnist. As a columnist, yeah. As a novelist, 
there's nobody better. Keep doing what you're doing. What? Well, there's what? a few people there's better. There's a few people better. <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> we're also fans Jeez. of Superlative <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. Um, but, uh, and so this, this should not surprise anybody, and it shouldn't surprise me. Um, but he, as a columnist, will always release his list of what he thinks uh, the best movies of the year, or books, or you know, CDs, or whatever. And I remember you specifically almost always have a problem with his 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 best album list, in which you're like, oh, this is just like some like not even a cool dad. This is like a <laughs> dorky dad's list. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, at, at this point, I shouldn't be surprised by some of the things that he says. But um, in previously in previous years, when he excuse me, when he uh, releases his list of the 10 best movies of the year, um, you know, they're all, they're, he, he does certainly think outside the box a little bit, and, mm-hmm. and you know, more power to him for that. Um, and I think, and, and so, like in 2007, he said, like, uh, Born Ultimatum was one of the best movies. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I'm okay with him thinking that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it is a really great movie, so, so I'm fine with that. Um, and I th- and this this year's list, which includes some some good movies, some really great movies as well. Yeah, I think there's sort of like a born ultimatum equivalent on this list. Hmm. Which, which one, one is that? that? Well, District Nine. Okay. Oh yeah, that. Sure. Uh, I'm 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 kind of fine with that being on the list. But there's there's a few where I almost well, uh, David, j- uh, read through it real quick. Okay. Uh, which direction should I go from? Ten to one, I All guess. Right. Twenty twelve. That's is right. number 10. 2012 is on yeah. this list. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Taking a Pelham 123, Law Abiding Citizen, District 9, The Reader, which came out in 2008, Disgrace, The Road, The Last House on the Left remake. Yeah. Seriously, at number two. Yeah. And The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Now, you know what? I haven't seen Last House on the Left or 2012, and I don't like to be that kind of person. Right. Abs- absolutely. Um, yeah. Or Law Abiding Citizen. We haven't seen that either. Did yeah. you see it? I felt. No. No, I did not. I feel like I know somebody. Oh, oh, that's right. We were talking with uh, Pat Healy, who was not a not a huge fan of it. Okay, but um, that's a shock. Yeah, I and and the thing, the thing again, I, I and and as you guys mentioned, this is even though he labels it, you know, best movies of of two thousand nine, it is still personal opinion, just as as ours will be when the time comes for us to do that episode. Um, around some sometime around the Oscars. There's no question yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> I just want if anyone hasn't been listening for a year and are w- w- wondering when are they going to do their best of list, it's going to be sometime around the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you know what? I, like, I will be that guy. I'm sorry. I don't give a damn what 2012 has in store for me. It's not going on any list of the 10 best movies of the year. It's <laughs> not happening. Yeah. In, in, on any list made by a person with a brain. Or even if there are only 10 movies released that year, yeah. someone's just like, uh, let's change the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Oscars did it, where it's like, you know what, there weren't that many that many uh, movies released. Let's just go with nine. Yeah, it's um, 2009, you could just be like, uh, top nine of nine. Yeah, uh-huh. there you go. There you go. It's not bad, actually. Worst movie of the year, 2012. <laughs> there we go. Um, and so... So I'm I'm fine with somebody kind of thinking outside the box, as I mentioned, where he's trying to kind of <laughs> kind of pick up the slack. Clearly, you know, as is this, the case with any list, you'll just kind of see the same movies parroted over and over, um, and rightfully so, they're great movies. And so I th- I feel like he he feels the need to um, to really like be like, oh, everyone else says this, but I'm like a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy who loves uh, Phil Collins. I don't think Phil Collins was on his albums list, but uh, I think he's mentioned how much he likes him, <laughs> and just like I, I like this kind of this kind of thing. And you know, over here in non-critic land, 
2012, Law Abiding Citizen, Taking a Pelham 123. Those are the best movies of the year. And and I feel like his and so I'm fine with somebody thinking, you know, trying to approach it from a different way, but I feel like he's he's kind of almost gone overboard. I saw Taking a Pelham 123. So did I. And and I liked it more than you did. It was a pleasant surprise for me, but come on. I mean, li- clearly this list it it seems like he only saw 10 movies. Yeah. And really, only nine of them from this year. It does seem weird that a guy with his tastes didn't put Inglorious Bastards on the list. Yeah, it, it, given like looking at these movies and knowing what he likes, it seems like that would that would have shown up. Yeah, but here I, I'm 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 almost agreeing with you here, and that's not my point. I want to argue with you. Oh, okay. That uh, that it's just it's just his opinion. He's allowed to say whatever he wants. Why yeah. do you get us so upset about it? Why do you get us so upset about? Jeez, <laughs> well, I, I will say like, there's... shut up <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least like five movies on that list that I've seen on other people's lists. Like Fantastic Mr. Fox is showing up, yep. District Nine showing up, The Hurt Locker is everywhere. Sure. Right. Sure. Um you know, and none I mean, none of those movies are on my personal top ten of the year, but you know, some of those I, I don't really have that big of a beef with. Um on the other hand, have either of you read I've never read any of Stephen King's fiction, oh. but I did read his book on writing. No, I have that. Called no, I have on it. writing. Right. And in it, he taught, like, this list sort of really coincides with his whole M.O. as Modus described. operandi. That's right. As described in that book, which is, like, he talks about um, how how not enough people read him and John, or not enough, not enough, but he, uh, him and John Grisham don't get the credit they deserve, uh, and I think they're friends or were friends, because, you know, they, they don't. They don't try to have a lofty metaphor. They just go for a meat and potatoes metaphor, like you said. Mm-hmm. Something that works and the reader can identify with it and they get the message and you move on. And that's really all you need. So, like, that's that seems to be how he works. Yeah. Uh, and given that, this this is sort of a, an expected list, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I have I have read his fiction and I like I as we mentioned, we really like him as a mm-hmm. novelist. Um, but there's just something about... There's no one better. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, maybe John Grisham, now that I think about maybe. it. Um, but the, uh, I guess it's just a weird thing. I guess this almost goes back to something that you and I have talked about. There, there's no reason for him to be a columnist. I mean, yeah. he's, not, he's not good at it. And no. he's not a film critic. He's not a music critic. He's not a, maybe, because he's an author, I'll allow him to be a book critic. But <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things where it's like... I don't know. It just—it sounds mean and maybe but, a little snobbish. Well, but I want to like. Why does he even? I want to address this in a second. Okay. But first, I want to ask that anyone see the Last House on the Left remake. Uh, no, no. Okay, no. I didn't either. The original is literally one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. As he uh, as he mentions, yes. So, um, oh, good. I've heard um, this one is one of the most like graphic movies. Oh, isn't it? This is supposed to be pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty rough. rough. Yeah, but um, I know my brother turned it off. Oh, that's right. But it's got, um, it's got Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah, yeah, as a villain. I kind of like that. Wanted to see it just and, because yeah. of that. And the very funny Ricky Lindholm. <coughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I just wanted—I was just wondering if everybody saw it because I no, it, it would—it would have to be better than the original because it's that bad. But it's you know it's it's interesting that um, that you, I mean you're you're right like a lot of these movies do show up on. Unlike the year's best list, a few of them show up on the year's worst as well. Law Abiding Citizen oh, geez. is yeah. considered well, one of the, one of the worst movies of the year, and Last House on the Left has shown up on a on a few as well. And so it's just he he really kind of no middle ground for him. Like he's no. very much 
He's he's a man of extremes, Stephen King. Um, but here's here's why it's okay that he writes this column for Entertainment Weekly. Okay. Tyler, you and I have had this discussion before. Yeah. You are way too quick to get pissed off at Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. Entertainment Weekly is not film comment. To no, which I you know. also subscribe. Yes, I do. So it, Stephen King is the perfect guy to write for Entertainment Weekly because he's just a big pop culture fan. That's true. He's not it's Entertainment Weekly is not about high art. I read it religiously every week because I am really into pop culture. Yeah. But I'm not looking for Although you're a bit behind. I'm, I'm Admittedly, maybe if you catch up in the next th- about on the next three months or the last three months, maybe you'll be where I am. Okay. What do you think of that? Maybe. I don't believe that. Um, maybe. Yeah. But um, that, that's that's just my point. That y- you need to stop holding Entertainment Weekly to a standard that it never aspired to be held to. Do you I think just, it used to be better though? No, I feel like it used I don't to think be better. I don't think it's better Maybe or I'm worse. Just, have, have we just gotten smarter? Or have I just gotten smarter that I've outgrown it? Maybe you used to think it was more than it was. Yeah, maybe. Like because you didn't know about film comment and, yeah. and all these things out there. I mean, you it's thought, possible we just require more of it, which is not. That's not like a burn on you or anything. You just expect it to be what it is. Yeah, um, but I also just as likely to go online and read something John, Jonathan Rosenbaum right. has written, you know, or or to read the Jay Rosie as you call him. Yeah, Jay Rose, um, and. Uh, or, or anything, you know, the Village Voice, uh, best of the decade or best of the year list, you know, that's just as much of interest to me because I'm, in addition to being a pop culture fan, also a, a film buff. Yeah. And film I, nerd. I guess maybe my... Film snob. Uh, I'll, I'll make a... Film snob, that's right. Um, I guess I'll make a, a, a comparison here that I feel like it can still be about all things pop culture, but the way in which it's about it could be better, I think. I you think know, you just want it to be more like what you like. I never. I, I, I never, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell the story of how this conversation started. Okay. Because I don't. Rec- I don't actually. It's like a month ago they put out their best things of the decade. Yeah. Just best whatever. Yeah. Just best whatever. You know. And you were just aghast. You were like, you know, uh, J Lo's dress made the list. I think and that was you that mentioned well, that. Okay. To me. But is, and then and I said list. and I what, you weren't here for this and. You and Jenny were complaining about it, and I was like, you mean the green Versace? And Jenny was like, why the fuck do you even know that? <laughs> and that's because I'm not you guys. I care about stuff like that because it's yeah. pop culture, and that's of interest to me. Yeah. But I knew that. I knew what that dress was. I just have a problem that that was like, that that dress was higher on the list than any play from the last 10 years but, in the opinion of Entertainment Weekly. That's just but stupid. But again, I don't know that it's necessarily the opinion of Entertainment Weekly. It's their sort of interpretation of popular culture and plays are not a big part of popular culture anymore whether we want them to be or not that's not, that's not the point well, it'd be nice if, if live but it theater was most popular of the decade it was best it was 100 okay best and of i guess it, i mean best is a pretty difficult thing to define i think we did an episode on it once that's yeah. no longer available probably because it was pretty early yeah, on that probably yeah um and, and 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 i mean if they're best to them might mean most impactful and uh, but does that dress what impact does that dress have a big impact on David? No, no, no. It, no, no, not, I it mean, was like, a yeah, big pop culture it. moment. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, but okay. I, I, I mean, I, when was the last time you thought about it before that list? I, I, I don't when know that happened? I necessarily thought about it, but I think about what dresses people wear to the Grammys more now because of that dress than I did before. Probably okay. See, I, I guess I feel like just I, I think I think it's I, I think it is that I, I as a person have changed and that my. My goals, and I, I still I still subscribe because there's enough issues per year 
that really interest me. I do like their Oscar coverage. Uh-huh. Um, and so, <clears throat> although, although this is a good example, in years past, they would, when the nominees come out, they would have like the nominee issue and they would have like, here's the section for best supporting actor. And they'd have what is usually a really good picture of the nominee and then an article about their performance and about the, th- the thing for which they were nominated. Well, in the last year or two, now it's just more interview based and what they're doing next. And I thought, and it's to me, it's a switch like that that impl- that. And I think the magazine has changed a little bit, but I think now, because Entertainment Weekly is a big publication, and they're about pop culture, and I feel like they could almost this, – this is lofty, by the way, mm-hmm. what I'm about to say. And I just thought of it, so I'm not sure how much I believe in it. <laughs> <clears throat> they could, if they wanted to, try to shape pop culture to be better than it is. But rather than that, they are simply reporting on it, and I guess – and and – Maybe that has to, do, and I think my, my frustration with that is is strictly a personal thing. I wish they were they aspired to be more than what they are. And the comparison that I was going to make is, you know, a lot of people said, "Hey, you know, to twenty twelve, mm-hmm. everyone says twenty twelve is great for what it is." And it's like I'm sure it is, but I wish it wanted to be more. You know, I wish it was. But, well, did did Entertainment Weekly give a good review to 2012? I don't remember. I don't know, but but there were critics who gave it like surprisingly good. Like Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Um, there were critics who who said, you know, on the level that it wants to be, I acknowledge that that it's really great. And it's like that's fine, but wouldn't wouldn't you rather it be something better or something or aspire to something better? And and so. But once again, I, I I said to you, Entertainment Weekly is not the only publication you can turn to. Right, I know. There I know. are other yeah. <laughs> David, David, David has died. <laughs> I've killed him. David, David is uh, coughing. Uh, and, and I think that's. I think it's his subconscious saying, "You're wrong, sir. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you." Sorry, I got off on a. I got way too. I got a little overexcited there. Yeah, a little overstimulated. Do you think that I was just thinking of this? I actually kind of think that Entertainment Weekly itself should have been on their own list, of the, <laughs> like because it is so like a part of pop culture now. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like as far as like pop culture magazines, I kind of feel like it's the top of the top of the list. You know, it's interesting. What well, I'll say just about this whole thing sure. is in a letter in this very issue of Entertainment Weekly, and you know, for somebody who doesn't like it, I sure do talk about it a lot. Um, and saying I don't like it is a bit of a stretch. Um, okay. So in there, but that's going to make a noise, Jason. Uh, David, uh, Jason dropped the microphone, <laughs> but like in a really dramatic fashion to show that he was done with the interview. Um, this is an interview. Um, so uh, in the in a in a letter to the editor, which by the way, there's a really funny right. comedy bit by Paul F. Tompkins about letters to the editor. From Entertainment Weekly specifically. It's available um, on his first album, Impersonal, which yes. is available at store.aspecialthing.com. That's right. Run by friend of the show, Matt Belknap. See, that's how we bring it back there around. Um, Are you it, paid to do that? <laughs> no. Wow. That'd be something. We're paid in uh, personal what? satisfaction. Okay. Um, you know, we know Matt Belknap. That's right. We're good buddies with him. <laughs> um, that's not true. So, <laughs> so, where is this? Okay. So... <clears throat> Somebody, uh, Tim Grant from Bernardston, Massachusetts, 
uh, he responded to the best of the decade issue with not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Your best of the decade issue sucked. <laughs> Tina Fey isn't funny. Oprah is simply annoying. And the Lord <laughs> of the Rings is not the decade's best film. That honor should have gone to the hugely entertaining Hairspray, which had great, mu- <laughs> <laughs> which had great music and appealing cast and a dancing Christopher Walken. So here's the thing. How could I, if this is, if this sounds mean, but if this is their demographic, why am I complaining? Maybe I should just not subscribe anymore. Hey, you know what? Go right ahead. I'm happy to be caught, to be along with, uh, in, in the same ranks as our friend from Bernardston, Massachusetts. <laughs> I think that man needs to start his own magazine because I want to know what he thinks about everything. <laughs> it's true. I am fascinated. I mean, I was almost intrigued almost by uh, like what made me angry with Stephen King. I vaguely admire with this gentleman that he <laughs> like that is that is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. What Hairspray. events have, have taken place in his life? That Hairspray would be deemed the best film of this decade. What college philosophy classes has this man taken that he arrives at that conclusion? Lord of the Rings, have you all forgotten about Firehouse Dog? <laughs> he is a 36-year-old musical theater teacher at a, at a high school with 400 people. It reminds me of, uh, of a comedy video starring, among others, friend of the show Paul Rust, um, and in which he uh, discusses... Uh, he's a, a film critic who talks about how uh, no movie is as good as uh, Captain Ron. But it should be noted that uh, for many years that was the only film he ever saw. And he saw it with his father who left uh, shortly thereafter. And uh made me chuckle. Um, should we get into the topic? Yeah, I think so. I think we've been overanalyzing Entertainment Weekly here. What? So, uh, and roller coasters. And yeah. roller coasters to go Bring, back. Yeah. Um, so the the question. Let's get into it, shall we? The question here is um, that needs to be a T-shirt. Can we? Yeah. Can we it. overanalyze? Is it possible to overanalyze a film? Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you where this came from without going into specifics. Um, over the holidays, people who follow me on Twitter might have seen uh, this. This angry question, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, uh, why is it, if, I, if I'm accused of uh, overanalyzing something, you know, it's perfectly okay, but if I accuse somebody of not analyzing, uh, not being analytical enough, I'm a jerk. Uh, I had a, a discussion with somebody, uh, I won't say who, over the holidays, in which uh, we were talking about uh, a specific movie. She's not going to listen to this. What movie? Uh, the Blind Side, okay. which I didn't, which I didn't see, but um, we're going to see it. And I said, I said, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Uh, but uh, what I said to her spe- specifically was, uh, if I wind up not liking the the film, are you gonna get, are you gonna be offended? Because she often, if if she really likes a movie and I don't, um. She seems to take it personally. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, and so... Now, were you not at all intrigued by The Blind Side? No, not at all. Not the only th- reason that I'm interested uh, is uh, because I, I really want to see if it's as bad as I think it is, as you I think it will be. The director made The Alamo I know. The Rookie. I know. Yeah. I kind of like The Rookie. And I we like The, the Alamo. I love The Alamo. Yeah. But, um... I mean, as far as I remember. But everything about it just seems so... I hear the book is surprisingly good. Um, but that and the, unsentimental is the yeah. thing. Like, and the movie looks really sentimental, and it's and it got bad reviews from the yeah, people the that I I was, I was, 
leaving the the jury was still out until the reviews started coming in, and yeah. now I realize, yeah, it's probably not very good. But I, yeah, I was I did not dismiss this movie out of hand the way that you appear to have. Yeah, that's because I like this director whose name is what John Hancock? John Lee Han- John, John Lee Hancock John Lee Hancock, and I also have always liked Sandra Bullock. I do too, actually. Um, and everyone says this is the best performance of of her career, and so I feel like, of course, there's probably more to her role than is shown in the trailer and all she that. Had a busy year. Three she did. movies, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all about Steve, The Proposal, and The Blind Side. Yeah, and The Proposal and uh, The Blind Side. Like, when The Proposal came out, her biggest moneymaker in her mm-hmm. career. Then The Blind Side. The Blind yeah. Side just passed $200 million. Wow. All About Steve, meanwhile, is called one of the worst movies of the year. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <clears throat> Didn't it look like a more it's, popular it's the, version it's of Happy Go Lucky? It's the only one that I'm interested in seeing, by the way. What was really? that? see Happy Go Lucky. <coughs> you didn't see Happy Go Lucky? No. Oh. That's unfortunate. How dare you. That's a great movie. You like Mike Lee. I saw Happy Texas. That'll work. All right, fair enough. Um, but uh, what, what about Lucky Numbers? Did you see Lucky Numbers? No, I saw Murder by Numbers. Oh, okay. All right. I saw Lucky Numbers 11. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, David, man. Where Kevin Spacey's the killer. What? No, what? That's not true? That's not true? Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, at the after the ending of... Uh, the life of David Gale, I figured he could just be in, in anything, sure. as ridiculous as it might be. And so, so anyway. David has left to go watch The Blind Side. <laughs> he's got he's to gotta go. <laughs> um, and so, uh, David, do you want us to take a break while you cough? No. The show must go on. Okay, David says the show <laughs> must go on. So, um, so anyway, uh, so I, so... This person said, well, why wouldn't you like The Blind Side? I said, well, you know, it's just that a lot of the critics that I follow don't really care for it. And, and she goes, do you think you ever, don't you think you just may overanalyze things? Like, can't you ever see a movie not as a critic and just as a regular person? Which I just, <laughs> I just ignored the inherent insult there. And, uh, and I just said, well, I, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, I don't overanalyze. I merely analyze if there is something there that is not obvious the way to get to it is to really go into detail in your thought about it and most people you know not to sound insulting aren't willing to do that or perhaps aren't trained to do that they don't (laughs) expect that uh and so to some people any kind of analysis is over analysis and it keeps you from enjoying something um and now david we it's uh, <clears throat> the, the, that point of view just assumes that analizing something is somehow <clears throat> like somehow work, you know? Right. It's and, like, and movies can't you are just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, why do you have to work? But I'd, movies are play. So why would we work? Right. But the thing is, I, I mean, I guess I'm. I don't just sit back and 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 turn my mind off at any point in my in my day or in my life. Right. You know, that's just the way I look at things. Yeah. Uh, is the the way that leads it's it's because of who I am that I look at movies the way I do. Yeah, you know, so it's it, it's not like I can't turn it off. And also, it's and just, I wouldn't if I could. And it's some movies. In fact, I would say more than people would assume um, are made to be not necessarily analyzed, but to look to be looked at slightly analytically, and so. If or you at least don't, critically. Critically, yeah. yeah. So if you don't look at it like that, then you're not watching it the right way. And this, 
clearly I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about this subject, and so if I come off as as being too insulting, I don't. I certainly don't mean to, but I know that I probably will, and so I will throw it to the person with two pages of notes. Jason, you were up really late thinking about this topic. I was. This uh, <coughs> this topic is one of the uh, the artistic topics that uh, causes me hours of stress because I go back and forth on it. Um, like I was just thinking as you guys were were talking. Don't you think there are movies that you go into them and you go, okay, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work with this movie. When yeah. I went and saw Antichrist, I knew going in, <laughs> this is going to be a little rough. I'm going to have to maybe fight through some things to get to what the, what is going on with this movie. Yeah. Now, to me, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, not, to everybody, that may not be the case. But okay, Antichrist is sort of an extreme example. Um, is... Yeah, I, how much how much work should be done? I guess is is a question, or should any work be done, or should your you mind should, just I, do it? I, I go to any movie preparing to do the legwork that needs to be done because, like you said, that's that's fun to me. Okay, that's exciting. Right the the idea of uh, of uh, a filmmaker leaving sort of uh, uh, I don't know not not clues, but just sort of like leaving some of the work up to me. You know, that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to bring up uh, what is uh, – last last night as I was making notes, I turned uh, – I was thinking of this passage uh, in a book by Jonathan Franzen about uh, about what – how he writes uh, his novels. Uh, and he talks about what, uh, what he calls the social contract uh, between uh, – he talks about it between novelist and reader, but it goes really between artist and audience. And the social contract is essentially this. Um, the artist agrees to make something worth investing your time in yeah. and worth spending time uh, consuming. And the audience agrees that if the artist will do that, they will invest a, a an acceptable amount of effort to see what the artist is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Now – uh, and then I, I, I think in, in this sort of uh, in this sort of contract, critics would function as either a lawyer or maybe a judge or someone like that, mm-hmm. kind of seeing you know is is the is everybody holding up their end of the bargain? And it seems to me that while there are bad critics, there certainly are bad artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the people dropping the ball in this contract more often than not is the audience. I, f- I feel like more people do less work uh, or or do not fulfill their end of that social contract uh, than maybe ever before, and certainly in this country. What do you think about that, David? <coughs> oh, hang on. Maybe I'll say what I think of it. Um, I'm sorry. Ugh. David, you're getting worse. What's going on? I'm getting really excited is the thing. <laughs> getting um, agitated. No, but I, 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 I agree that um, – the 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 onus should be on us, uh, the audience, to uh, to hold the to hold the uh, the artist to that contract. You know, if um, the only reason that bad movies continue to the bad like lazy bad movies continue to get uh, made and make money is because we let them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's one That's of those something I've said on the show a lot. I think. And I know that you and I are are, are often pretty quick to um, to hold, uh, you know, like the cynical, uh, <clears throat> all-purpose evil uh, 
studio execs. You know, we're we're usually quick to blame them for just being like, "Well, is it going to play in Peoria and all that and all that kind of thing?" But um, but ultimately, for all the as as much crap as they might make, if the audience goes, the audience is what will confirm or deny their cynicism. Uh, and so, if they make something that is terrible, well, and the audience doesn't go to see it, then it's like, okay, well, I guess the audience doesn't want this. If they make something great and the audience goes to see it, then it just then it's like, all right, we, we got to try and make more of these. Um, yeah. And so, I think ultimately, it is it is the audience's responsibility. Here's a quick story. Okay. Uh, I was talking to my brother recently, and uh, you know, it's the holidays, and he's been spending time with his girlfriend and her family, and. I said, so did you go see any movies? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, what would you see? And he was like, the squeakquel was not nearly as good as the first one. He said that sentence to me. In that tone? In like, that tone, absolutely. I, can't believe, I really... can't believe they dropped. It was, it was just the same movie over and over again. To me, the fact that the squeakquel exists, and I hate that I've bought into its own uh, ploy and have it's called it that. It's kind of fun to say. Though. It's a little fun to say. But the fact that that movie exists means that the audience is not doing their work. Yeah. Because if the audience was doing their work, the first movie would not have made enough money to justify a sequel one year later. Yeah. And the same people if, I mean, the first one was not a good movie. It was a bad movie. Yeah. I've seen only bits and pieces of it, and I want to scratch my eyes out. Yeah. Um, and but it it made enough money that they made a sequel, and the very same people have gone back to see it again. Yeah, like I mean, it's close to two hundred million dollars itself. <laughs> oh man, yeah, oh, that's depressing. that's right. Um, I did have a I, I did have a, a thought, another analogy, um, <clears throat> just the idea to to kind of piggyback on what David said, the idea of somebody who just feels that. They don't want to put any work in, you know, but there are, I mean, crossword puzzles or Sudoku or games in general that you, you know, play uh, like by yourself or, or with other people. But in which but if, it, if it's by yourself, then it's on you to challenge yourself. And nine times out of ten, you will. When you get done, when you're done with like the easy Sudokus, then it's time to move on to moderate. Because you've gr- you feel like you've graduated. Those are too easy. Same yeah. with crossword puzzles, and that's why in video games, for example, it gets progressively harder because because you as the as the player have you've started to get better, and so and so people. I think people are willing to challenge themselves in that instance because oh well, this I, this Sudoku is too easy now. Yeah, so, but in those things, there's a clear goal. Like, yeah, ah, I finished the puzzle. Or I beat the the boss for this level. Yeah, is that a, that's like an old game? Do people yeah. still talk about games in that in know. terms of bosses and levels? Yeah, I do. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. We're all of the same generation, David. Yeah, but people of my generation still play video games, and I don't. That's true. Not that's that came off really condescending. I just am terrible at them and never liked them. That, right. It's not. I'm not. I, I think like boss I've, makes not sense. Like I've outgrown video games. I right. Just, right. I uh, am very right. ba- very bad at them. Um, but you can't like win a movie you know yeah uh, mm-hmm. at least not in like a uh, uh that sort of uh easily definable way you right. Know? right um to me i can't if i like there's a if i see a movie that challenges me and i think about it i'm thinking about it a lot you know mm-hmm. uh there'll be a, a moment where i'll be like i think i get it 
Like, I get the movie. And at that point, that's me finishing the crossword puzzle. Yeah. You know? Um, or the very fact <laughs> that you're... Thi- like, to me, the fact... Even if a movie is maybe not the greatest... Like, Antichrist, again. Not the greatest movie. I could not stop thinking about that movie for weeks. To me, that's a good movie. Because it got me thinking... And thinking long after I would have normally stopped thinking about something else because it was intriguing enough to warrant that. Yeah, I think well, I people... There's a movie I talk about a lot, uh, The Way of the Gun, which yeah. I, oh, of yeah. course, appreciate more than anyone else in the world, Yeah, as I've said before. Um, but that's like a really hard video game that I still have not beaten. Like, I still <laughs> return to The Way of the Gun and yeah. say, like, all right... Let's see if I can get some more out of this this time and, and, and figure this movie out, you know? I feel that way about Blade Runner. Really? Yeah. 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 I, I've seen it like five times, and I feel like I've never seen the movie. Yeah. I'm sure I have one like that, but I think I've beaten them all. <laughs> um, the uh, Yeah, and what's interesting is, is I mean, we, we, can, we can talk about it as something that's, that's a bit more... Basically, movies are two hours long, sometimes less, sometimes more. And when we, too often more. <clears throat> David just said too often more, but not on Mike. So one could make the argument he should have said shouldn't have said anything. Um, and or so, maybe he didn't. Sorry, I had it. to take some ibuprofen. Okay, there we go. I've coughed myself into a serious headache. And again, he just started speaking into the mic with the ibuprofen in his mouth. Uh, the conversation would have gotten past me if I hadn't. I know, but I like making fun of you. <laughs> um, and so movies are about two hours long, and. The good ones will allow you to enjoy them long after those two hours are over. You know, yeah. w- in your case, weeks and weeks more. Yeah. But because that is not necessarily a tangible thing, just mm-hmm. the amount that you think about it, right. um, I don't think people would view that as as, a, as necessarily an enjoyment. If anything, they might view it as a frustration. Like, why can't I get yeah. this out of my head? This is I saw it. It's done. Why can't I get it out of my head? That's why I'm less likely to complain about ticket prices. You know, people say... <laughs> At twelve fifty for two hours. That's no. That's twelve fifty for a piece of art that you now have with you. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Um, now, Jason, what else do you have written in your notes there? Well, I have many stories. Okay, I'd like to hear because, some. Okay, well, uh, I'll bring up a uh, a movie that uh, you guys have both seen that we've all seen, okay. and that's my movie, Trailer the Movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, okay. Jason made a movie. It's about forty five minutes long. It's about forty five minutes long. Uh, and so because I, I do also, you know, you you both are sort of firmly in the critic camp. Yeah. I'm also, I'm sort of half critic, half artist. So yeah, maybe, a, maybe pick a side. I'd have to pick artist. All right. I did stop my pod, or I, I completed my podcast <laughs> and uh, have now moved firmly into the uh, you know, it's interesting artist role. You, it's interesting that you put Back it that Back to way. my story. Okay. Uh, I, I want to hear what I know, I was kidding. <laughs> well, because... We recently uh, got uh, w- this. Will be on the website probably in the next uh, few days. Um, uh, somebody sent us in uh, a question to answer, and they sent it by video, which was kind of neat. And they talked yeah. about uh, which is not the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to tweet me at, at the pretension, right? But you know what? I prefer it was the fun. video way. The video way is kind of neat. Video way is fun, but it's also more work. So if you can't do that, then then uh, tweet it to to David at the um, pretension at the pretension. Um, but if you can, by all means, do it'll be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, Sakari and Rita commented that uh, that they really miss experts and intermediates, which one could make the argument means that you quit, and that it wasn't because if it was completed, they themselves would have been satisfied. I no, think. no, no, I missed the true, show. Though? I missed the TV show Spaced. Okay, and it, it, it was completed. Yeah, but you can revisit it, and not all the experts and intermediate 
uh, episodes are available. Well, I tell you what, they contact me personally. I'll send them the episode. All right, fair enough. I guess it was completed. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Now let's go back to your. Story. Yeah, you were so saying. into the story. So, uh, you uh, do you both remember the uh, the the film within the film Huff? Yes, it's uh-huh. the third one. Do you remember uh, pretty much the end of that trailer where a guy draws marker on his wrists uh-huh. and uh, then uh, like falls back and assumes the Christ position? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my we we have a screening. My mother comes to see it, and after afterwards, like a, a few days after, we're talking about it, and she's wanting me to explain the movie away to her. And I was like, "Well, I don't want to just tell you what." it's about i'd rather hear what you think it's about like mm-hmm. right. that and she didn't like that she didn't want to do that uh and then eventually she she moved into like instead of talking about what the movie's about she decided to tell me the part she was offended by <laughs> which i don't know i don't know why she chose to do that um and she made me guess and so i was like okay well was it this part no was it this part and she said it was it was the part that i just mentioned mm-hmm. and i was like wait why? Why were you offended? And she was like, because that's offensive to Jesus. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, and so I, I wrote down an explanation of what that moment is really about. But So again, we're talking about a character uh, assuming the, the Christ pose. The Christ right. pose. He is... He's addicted to marker sniffing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a be- funny movie trailer. Because movie. that's the only way that he could break his heroin addiction, <laughs> according <laughs> to the doctors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and so within the context of my movie, that is being mocked. A, a movie that would do something like that is being mocked. Yeah, the nature of, of what Huff is, it's supposed to be like... Uh, just one of those really overly dramatic, melodramatic, I would say, yeah. like drug movies where overly everything is drug movies yeah. that yeah, very yeah. self-important. Yes, you're yes. right. So, so that's the joke. The joke yeah. is about the self-importance of movies like that. Yeah, the joke is not in any way at all about Jesus. No, you know the fact that Jesus is the subject of the joke within the joke. Yeah, uh, is sort of irrelevant, but. There, there are some people who like that amount of thinking or explanation. They don't want to do it. They see something that they identify with, and that's what it's about. And like, right. so like, what, do you, what do you do with those people? What do you, what do you say to them? Well, your like, movie's not for those people. So, uh, but, but then that's the I, thing. Like, I, that, I guess that, I'm, that I'm a bit of a, like a snob. I'm a bit of an elitist, I guess. You know, because <laughs> shouldn't I try to? Wouldn't it be better if I made? an equally good movie that more people could enjoy? No, because it wouldn't be equally good. You have to hold... It, you know, it, it's part of that social that contract again. You know, that you have to hold your audience to uh, a higher standard. Just like, you know, we talked about it's the audience that drops the ball. It's yeah. it's their job. It's the audience's job to figure out what you mean. It's not your job to, to pander to them. You yeah. know, it's the same... When people say that, like, uh, movies are a, a bad influence on children, well, you know, that's not their job. Right. They're not filmmakers aren't nannies, you know, and it can't be a bad influence on your kids if you talk to your kid about the movie right. or don't let them see it. Right. Yeah. Because the movie doesn't know your kid, you do, and you might actually have a better idea of what might offend them or bother them. Yeah. Um, or provoke them to do certain things or behave in certain ways. Right. And if you don't, you shouldn't have children. Yeah, it's 
Which is why I don't have children. Right. I I also do not have children. David? Uh, Nothing that I know of. There we go. You guys do have cats. (laughs) Are you very specific about what your cats can and cannot watch? Yes. Okay. I let... let, Oh, man. I own Dr. Cats. I let them watch that. (laughs) Um, Catwoman. Cats the musical. Uh, The Cats Meow. (laughs) Cat on a hot tin roof. Now we're talking. You read that out loud with the cat. And then, oddly enough, before the devil knows you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it is interesting because uh, I have uh, I have another podcast. As, as long as we're plugging things that we do, sure. um, I have another podcast called More Than One Lesson, and and the goal of it, one of the goals, because it's supposed to be for a Christian audience, and as you know, Jason, um, and I guess at this point, David, you know as well that uh, a Christian audience. Uh, the, I would say the majority of them are not necessarily movie savvy. That's not to say that they don't like movies or don't approve yeah. of movies, but movies aren't a huge part of their lives. And so um, so the show is supposed to be for Christians who like movies but don't necessarily want to think much about them. and uh, <laughs> but, but want to change that. But, but may want to change that. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to get those people, but I have gotten... I've gotten emails from a couple of people who disagree with me very vehemently about my interpretation of certain films, um, and they say, well, we can't, and, and it just wound up bothering me. Is it the Hairspray guy? Uh, Does he listen to the show? It might have been. I didn't write down his name, but it uh, could be. He did say. I don't think Christians like Hairspray. He did say. Well, he's, I, he, I like he mentioned. <laughs> I didn't see it. Did you like it, David? I actually kind of did. I mean, it's not okay. as good as the John Waters movie, yeah. but it. It retained enough John Watersness that I actually kind of liked it. Waterosity, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I thought Zephyr was pretty good <laughs> in it. It, it. It retained some waters. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a silly episode. Um, but the but what fascinated me was that when this guy uh, emailed me back, he was very nice. He was, he was very respectful. He wasn't a jerk yeah. or anything. Um, but I wound my I, I wound up getting kind of frustrated that he reacted exactly as I expected him to, and in fact, he's exactly who I want my audience to be. Yeah, which is some you know somebody who would of course be resistant to the idea of putting more thought into this and 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 that sort of thing. And so, um, sorry, I wound up just thinking, uh, I'm like, well, I've kind of put myself into a pickle here because yeah. the audience that I'm shooting for is one that I somehow expect. To just go along with what I'm saying. How could they possibly argue with my awesome points? Um, but they're going to. And but I'm trying not to write them off. I'm trying to say that that they they will be willing to do the work. If I, maybe if I say just the right thing, maybe it's just one thing in the course of a half hour. But maybe it'll get them to think of it a different way, and maybe it'll happen because as as inclined as I am to to just cast off entire groups of people the fact is there was a time when i myself didn't uh, thought movies were purely about entertainment and and i don't i can't even really point to specifically what changed it for me but i assume that i mean the three of us all started i, a I don't think way. it changed so much as your definition of, of entertainment changed yeah because i don't like this idea that there's a divide between like this is art and this is entertainment right you know? yeah I'm, I'm entertained by good art yeah yeah, yeah. um now, now, Jason, let me ask you this. Sure. Do you have any other stories, whether they, don't, they can pertain to films you've made? 
<laughs> or not. They can pertain to your podcast, your blog, any other thing that you, you that you've done, if you like. Um. Uh, well. Uh, yeah, be, and it kind of uh, – I wanted to answer the question okay. that you posed at the beginning of the episode. Which is, which of is, course. Is it possible to overanalyze? Okay. I would say yes, it is. All right. Uh, and uh, one, one story that, I, that happened recently was uh, uh, back in Kansas, a friend of mine uh, had seen Star Trek. I had also seen it, so we're talking about it. And he was like, now – one way, one of the movie's failures, and he launched into like a ten-minute lecture about the nature of black holes and how Star Trek did not use black holes as they actually exist, but sort of changed what a black hole is to fit the purposes of its own story. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, like that's to me that's a non-issue, but to him, like that was like a, a flaw with the film and to i said in the world of the film where all of these th- other ridiculous things exist that do not exist mm-hmm. and are that are not certainly we can allow that a black hole functions a little differently uh and so within the context of the film it is it's um it's all symmetrical it's all it all it all makes sense within the context of the film and he said that's you know you can't say that because that's not really what a black hole does. And I said... I think you can say that, but I do... I agree with your friend a little bit. Not to the point that yeah. it would actually still, ruin a movie for me. he still liked the movie. Right, okay. But as a hardcore but Trekkie, I, I, it bothered him. I, I knew a guy who um, complained... Uh, in You know, in, in The Matrix, when they come in in the helicopter and they're shooting the guns across... Yeah. Uh, from the helicopter into the room where Lawrence Fishburne is, you see all the shell casings yeah. falling. Well, apparently those shell casings would not come from that gun. Hmm. This, oh. this is what my friend pointed out to me, yeah, and uh, it bothered him. And to me, that's that's kind of legitimate. It's, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to be enough to to ruin the movie. That's not even enough to, for me to to ruin that moment for me. No, yeah, or even that cool shot. To, that's a good shot. Yeah, it's yeah. cool to see shell ca- like yeah, yeah. But it's I, I still think it's valid. I think you and I had this discussion recently because you saw talking to Jason here. You saw. Uh, Los Angeles plays itself. Yes, and we were talking about the virtues of verisimilitude. Yes, in the film, and I think the a movie can't help but be helped by more verisimilitude. Except that I think that movies are so much about creating their own world that if they want to redraw a map, I'm fine with that. Okay, but it has to it has to look. You can't go. Downtown Los Angeles. We're talking about point. Going to talk about yeah. Point Break again. You can't go from a bank in downtown Los Angeles to running through houses in Venice. It doesn't even look like they those things would be right next to each other. And I would say if you, you can c- sell it, yeah. then okay. Yeah, but they, say, you can if it's irrelevant to the scene. And in that sense, it's irrelevant to the scene. And I actually like Point Break way more than you. I do, know you do, which but is that great. that really bothers me. You know, based on this discussion, <laughs> it's odd that the three of us love Inglorious Bastards, and it kills Hitler. Yeah. And, but that didn't uh, stop any of us from. No, that doesn't. That doesn't oh, shoot! It. You don't want to say spoiler for that? I forgot. Spoilers! <laughs> Maybe I'll put it at the beginning of the episode. There yeah. you go. Like put before the music even starts. Uh, at about 50 whatever minutes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but no, yeah. yeah sorry, everybody. I didn't even think about of, that. Within the context of that film, that's what happens. Yeah, I and don't it didn't care bother if me. that's what really happened. Well, let me, let me ask this question in regards to the, the shell casings. And the nature of a black hole are those artistic uh, criticisms? Are those is that artistic analysis, or are they bringing something that is non-artistry 
into their analysis, like that when you like the the example they used as this is overanalyzing something. Yeah, his his analysis was not meeting the film where it was. It was not inherently artistic, but one could make the argument that it becomes artistic the minute he applies it to a film. Yeah, what I would do you say think? so because otherwise, I, it's I think like, it's an artistic thing. I think saying yeah. it's not saying it's not important is just as. Uh, dismissive as people who say you, you you're overanalyzing films in the in, to begin with. Okay, because you'd be saying we we would essentially be saying like, well, that's not important to me, so it's not important to the film. Right, right. right. If it's important to somebody else, then it's important. Yeah, unless um, that person is stupid or you know a racist yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> but what about a stupid racist? Oh, well, boy. most of them are. Oh my god. Oh, hey yo. I, I mean, most racists are stupid. Not most stupid people are racist. The gauntlet has been thrown down. That's right. I All hope right. there's I, a PhD. I'm calling racists stupid. PhD, Bring it on, racist. PhD wielding racist <laughs> calls you guys up. Calls <laughs> you on the telephone. What? What was uh, that? It was the word telephone. Oh, okay. Um, I would like to uh, point out. I was because I was uh, again thinking about all these things. I do think that there should be a distinction made between the best analysis and most analysis. Okay, such as? Because most analysis, uh, I would say, is viewing a film or a a work of art purely in intellectual terms. Mm -hmm. Which is hard to do. Which is hard to do. Even when I've tried to do it, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, but, you you know, or trying, I, I would say, trying to be solely objective about it. There, there, there is a point for me, uh, in which it doesn't matter objectively right. if something is or isn't like if it worked for me, it worked for me. Yeah. You know, if a, especially with a film or art, which is all subjective and created by by us. Like th- that's why that's why you and I have kind of we haven't argued, but I don't see as much merit in an objective top 10 of the whatever mm-hmm. as you do. Like to me. I would much rather hear somebody's personal top ten list because it right. tells me something about that person. And as long as as long as the movies are of a certain quality of uh, you know, then then even if they're if it's a great movie but it's not on my list, then I don't care. Yeah. You know, because it's their list and it's about them right. and their interpretation of it. Um, and I think the best analysis incorporates intellect, but also leaves plenty of room for emotion and pure enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think of myself as a very uh, intellectually minded person, and Avatar is my favorite movie of the year because I was so blown away by the visuals that I just uh, like I just felt like a kid again. I just felt like I was totally taken for a ride uh, in a good way, and just really, really enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I think. I mean, <clears throat> I really gotta see that. I still haven't seen still haven't IMAX seen 3D. Got to do IMAX. 3D. No, I, I like fully it's... intend to. I literally just haven't had the time. I've been busy with travel and I've holidays and roller coasters. I have not had the time to see Avatar. <laughs> Avatar is a roller coaster in and of itself. It David. sure is. Okay. It's an emotional roller coaster. It's Your love is like a roller, roller coaster. I want to ride. Okay. Um, yeah. I uh, get off. This sounds like fear again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Year by year, uh, my favorite movie is is almost always the one that has uh certainly there's plenty intellectually there but it's yeah. almost always a movie that has appealed to me emotionally or one that I have found to be emotionally and of course when you talk about emotions you're that instantly makes it subjective cuz i mean nobody nobody shares emotions you know i mean i mean not not 
Nobody what? shares emotions anymore. I know, isn't it? Isn't That's it not sad? what I meant. <laughs> Once we get done with this podcast, we should we should trade emotions. You know, for a I moment, have a really great rookie card emotion. <laughs> I think. You is it sympathy? Because <laughs> I have to assume that one's new for you. Um, and I am looking to get rid of it. Yeah. Do you have more cynicism? I'll take some, please. Um, I'm trying to become the uh, the world dominating uh, cynicism collector. Oh my gosh! Um, and so the. Uh, so yeah, my uh, my favorite you know my favorite movie this year, and it hasn't been unseated. It there might be a few movies that could is up, and last year was was the visitor. A year before is Ratatouille. I mean, it's almost always movies that that there's. I have a certainly a technical appreciation for them, and then I I enjoy what they're trying to say. But ultimately, it's you when it comes to f- favorites, it's almost always the movie that like got a response out of me emotionally and yeah. that and that is as subjective as it gets mm-hmm. um and what's also interesting you mentioned the idea of of bringing uh subjectivity into making a top 10 uh and i do try and uh, i do try and separate like what i think the best are and what i think my and what my favorite are but even when trying to make a list of the best you're still making a subjective uh, yeah. uh you know, you're coming from a subjective place because, you know, if you go back and listen to my top ten, a lot of them had to do with, uh, I I I like them and I think they're great because they reflect their time. Well, who says that inherently makes it best? Yeah. Like, why should a movie have to reflect its time? There's no rule that says that is how it is. That's my that's my personal uh, opinion. And so there is, yeah, there is no such thing as I think pure objectivity. And frankly, even if there was, I don't think I would want to find it. And, yeah. and it's interesting you br- – sorry, I'll let you talk. You no, I just said, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that you bring up uh, reflecting its time because even that can go too far. Uh, yeah. Again, in uh, in my uh, ramblings last night, uh, I was I was reading over, um, uh, again, again, the book, How to Be Alone, uh, book of essays, Jonathan Franzen, really good. Uh, and he was talking about, like, how do you make something that is culturally, culturally relevant and socially relevant – when that society and culture change faster than you can create a piece of art in. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and then I started thinking about uh, something like 25th Hour. Yeah. When it came out, like, it made no money, got no awards nominations whatsoever. And and I remember, like, I forget if it was on your guys' top ten list. It was on mine. Year, but it was on mine. Of the year? Yeah, of that I year. I don't if it was on mine. Um, oh, I don't recall. But... Of the decade, it was on Tyler's. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it didn't quite make my 10, but it's definitely in my top 30 of the decade. Um, Village Voice, number two. Yeah. And it's it's making, like, it was on, I think, Michael, uh, not Michael Phillips. It was on A.O. Scott's. Right. Uh, it was in, the it Onion. was on Ebert's. The Onions. Yeah. AG Club. Like, I mean, it. so, you know, it, maybe it's taken seven years, and that is a movie that reflects its time period, but not the, and actually the moment that it was made. But it's not so specific uh, that it's only about that. It's about yeah. so many things that it is also universal. Yeah, you know. Well, I feel like we've kind of danced yeah, around the say, topic more than. Uh, no, I think that well, that's what we do here. <laughs> no, that's what I we know. do best. But are there, are there any are there any final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, do you have any other stories uh, or any other thoughts that you well, that you wrote down? Fi- final thoughts. Final thoughts. Yeah. Final We're wrapping thoughts. it up here. Wrapping it up here. <laughs> Uh, Slave Driver, David. No, I made a whole list of uh, populist movies that uh, that are also good movies, and didn't know if we were going to talk about that. Oh, okay. Uh, um, no, I was going to. Uh, 
What was I going to ask? Oh, um, how? So, okay, we do we all agree that it is possible to overanalyze a movie? No, that's not my point at all. Okay, all I, right. I'm saying it, well, this is what you were talking about is the the objectivity. You guys are both just talking about objectivity. Um, the amount, the extent to which a movie should be analyzed is up to the person watching it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly, you know, you would have overanalyzed the Blind Side yeah. compared to this other person. Yeah. By their standard of an- analyzation. Yeah. Uh, analysis? And analysis is the word, I think, David. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean... Sorry. I think you guys should have a little, you know, consideracy for my, <laughs> my personal vocabulation. objective vocabulation <laughs> and pronunciations. <laughs> um, well done, David. That was a nice little riff. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's the point. You... Yeah, uh, it's 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 art. It's a personal experience, so it's up to you to decide how much to analyze it. Um, you do yourself a disservice by not analyzing it enough, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, so then, how do you convince? That was my question. How do you convince someone to maybe put a little more effort into it, and w- without uh, making you, it seem like enjoyment and understanding are mutually exclusive? I think it's a lead by example type of thing. I think if you. Have, if if you like say you have a friend who isn't into good movies yeah and you just kind of always try to steer them towards better movies yeah uh there's a chance maybe you can make a difference if you if you care to that's me i'm a i'm yeah. a snob and a narcissist i don't care to <laughs> go ahead watch, watch the blind side i'll be over here with my good movies <laughs> I got us tickets, by the way. We're going. Right okay. I, I do kind of want to see it um, because I do I do like Sandra Bullock, but uh, but also I'm interested to see if my initial thought was right and if the reviews are right. Um, and, you know, uh, I, am, I am a sucker for the Oscars, and it's looking like she'll be nominated as crazy as that Why is. do you guys like Sandra Bullock? What has I she been in she's that has won you over? <laughs> I think she's such a mediocre uh, actress. Uh, Miss Congeniality? Yeah. That's a fine movie. Which I just watched uh, for the first time uh, the other day. John pretty was funny. watching it. It's uh, pretty funny. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I liked her in 28 Days. Yeah. Uh, Speed, of course. Speed yeah. is awesome. I, I but like, like as a really good actress or as... Yeah, she's a good actress. Oh, well, I, I think I don't she's... Know, I don't know. She's often called upon to be... She's not doing Sophie's Choice, you know? she's Yeah, that's true. She's working within her range, and her range is, uh, you know, likability... And sort of sexy tomboyishness. Yeah, I, I find true. her. I find her actually like delightful. I mean, she often cheers me up, and she is. There's not. I, I would say there's not a lot of like lead actresses. There's plenty of, of like character actresses that can make me laugh out loud. And I found myself laughing out loud more at Miss Congeniality than I ever would have expected to. Yeah. She actually can make me laugh. Yeah. Michael Caine's also pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, he, he sure is. is. <laughs> um, but the. Uh, <laughs> And I actually I was I was thinking about this uh, for the last couple of days, and I'll, I'll ask you guys: um, Have you ever have you ever gotten to a point where you're thinking about a movie and thinking about it, and you realize, you know what, I might be reading too much into this? Have you ever Have you ever thought that? Nope. Jason. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you, Do you have an example? Uh, I have an example of listening to the show when I thought you did it. Oh, all right. Which one was that? The Incredible Hulk. I think we actually talked oh, about Oh, that's this. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's like the <laughs> easiest thing in the world to say that something is a 
you know, a metaphor for our involvement in Iraq. Yeah. It's like, but anytime that's the thing is anytime I didn't say it was like a, a, a like a strong metaphor, but anytime yeah, like that's true. It's You're like talking uh, about the Edward Norton one. Yeah. No, uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. I just yeah. never saw it. Where basically the military, they view the Hulk as this threat. And so they're like, here's what we'll do. We will basically essentially arm this other guy so that we can neutralize the threat only to find that the person they armed is a much greater threat. And in fact, they need to then recruit the Hulk to help them neutralize the threat that they themselves have created. And if you watch something like Charlie Wilson's War, you'll find that it's yeah. it, this, that stencil kind of matches. And so I don't say it's a strong metaphor, but I... I, I think that it's sounds, a Stephen sounds King, like it's there to me. Stephen King-type metaphor. I suppose. It's good enough. Meat and potatoes. It's yeah. a meat and potatoes metaphor. Yeah. Um, but I actually did have a thought where... Because I do sometimes feel like, ah, am I reading too much into this? But then I realize that this is going to sound weird and maybe more than a little meta. Me coming to the realization that I've read too much into it and then me trying to compensate, that's all part of me reading into it. Yeah. That's a part of the analysis. Right. It's not me stepping out of the analysis to look at it. That's a part of it is maybe going too far and then backing it off a little bit. You know, it's it's like uh, when you're trying to uh, shoot, you know, if you've got three arrows and you're trying to shoot a target and you, you miss too much by one, not enough by another, and now you're actually a little closer to getting you know, getting it right on target. Yeah. And so so I, I had that weird realization that even when I even when I feel that I have overanalyzed something, it it can still help me to determine what I actually think and feel about a film. Yeah. Um and so I would actually say that to a certain extent, uh, I'm I'm with David. I think that there is no such thing as over analysis for pe- for people like us, mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> even that can be. We are a bunch of snobs, aren't we? Well, we're a bunch of analytical uh, uh, assholes. Yeah, is what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, but I'm the worst kind of elitist because I'm the sort of elitist who knows he's an elitist. But fears that he's an elitist as well. <laughs> I don't want a bit like I want. I you got to own it, Jason. I want people to come in with us. I want it to be a bigger <laughs> club. Um, and oddly enough, when I told this conversation, which I had with a, a relative over the holidays, um, when I told this to Jen, uh-huh. she actually came up with uh, a really, really nice response that I did not think to say in the moment. Uh in which the you know the person said, "Can you ever not look at it like a critic and see it as a regular person?" Then Jen said, "Well, can a plumber ever not look at something as a plumber? Can ever can a soldier ever not look at a film as a as a soldier? I mean, just it's what you are. Can a mom or a dad ever not bring that yeah. to it? I you try know? to look at things from the perspective <laughs> of a cat. Right. I got I a show for you. Often it's called well, Doctor Cats. <laughs> well, that seems like a good place to to end it. Yeah." yeah. Uh, thanks for coming back on the show. Jason. Thank you for having it, me. It was, it was a blast. Very exciting. It was a lot of fun. Sorry for uh, sorry to the listener for coughing through half the show. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, did I sneeze as well? No, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. And you blew your nose like right into the mic. I'm very sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, um, so wh- uh, where can people find you on on the internet? On the interweb, uh, I'm on <laughs> Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter at twitter.com/eakin. E a k e n. Uh, you can find me at trailerthemovie.com. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have a blog, and I actually wrote a blog last night at 5 a.m. about everything I was thinking about. So if All you right. want to dig a little more into my <laughs> disgusting, twisted psyche, uh, you can find me at uh, eakinwrites.wordpress.com. Uh, now, you actually blog for a couple other sites as well. One is for my other yeah. website, morethanonelesson.com. And then what is the other? Uh... Uh, it's justmovies.com. It's justmovies.com. Nothing but movies. <laughs> That's it's why it's just, called that. Right. Just the movies, ma'am. Just the movies. <laughs> uh, okay, right, now, Dave. You can Dave. find us at <clears throat> pretension.com or uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes. It would help if you subscribe, if you're not subscribed. Yeah. Or write us a review in iTunes. Those things always help. Yeah. Uh, tell your friends. Yeah. Um, and um, you can find me tweeting sort of for the show, but really for myself, yeah. on Twitter, at the pretension. Uh, and Tyler is on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the Twitter for his other podcast, More Than One Lesson. But it's really for me. With, yeah, which can be found at morethanonelesson.com. And uh, as always, you can donate, yeah. especially if you want to do the the, uh, the donation subscription. I'm telling you, $2 a month, you don't even feel it. That's true. You you basically you sign up for it. It signs you up for a year. And it, it will just automate from a credit card or a PayPal account or a, or a, a bank account, whatever you want it to be. Um, it will automatically deduct $2 per month. Uh, and, of course, $2 is not very much for you. But if enough of our listeners do it, it's, it makes a huge difference yeah. for us. Uh, yeah. I mean, $2 <coughs> means a snack to you, but it means a great deal to me. Absolutely. You know, I tell you what, you were talking about leading by example. I will be a $2 a month donor. All right. Uh, there you watch go. Watch out. <laughs> I'm getting. Uh, I'm gonna buy a candy bar. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we really would. Uh, we really would appreciate it. And uh, and and thanks to everybody who has donated. It it always uh, means a great deal to us. So yeah, All decided right. I would end it on a maudlin tone. All right, thanks. Thanks All for right. listening. All right, bye. Bye. bye.